So Money Episode 714, Kara Swisher, technology journalist and founder of Recode. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Today, we're in conversation with Silicon Valley's most feared and liked journalist. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Kara Swisher is on the show today, tech journalist and co-founder of Recode. She is an outspoken, straight-shooting reporter who for decades has been working nonstop to keep Silicon Valley and the tech world at large accountable. Kara is host of the popular podcast Recode Decode. She began her career at the Washington Post and later the Wall Street Journal before launching her own tech media empire. I kick off the interview with Kara's take on Facebook amidst the recent Cambridge Analytica scandal and the social network's tumbling stock price. Then we hear about Kara's childhood, experiencing the loss of her dad at a young age. She also takes us down memory lane to a very specific moment in her early career when she was asking for a raise, how she earned her worth, and had to ask her what tech giants will be gone in 10 years' time. Snapchat? Twitter? You might be surprised to hear Kara's predictions. Here's Kara Swisher. Kara Swisher. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I just said your name on this show. <laughs> Welcome to So Money, my 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 icon. I love you so much. You gotta calm down there. You okay, I'm sorry, down. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's a snow day here in New York City. So. It is, that's what I this hear. Is- it's raining here, so it's completely paralyzed the city of San Francisco. Ugh. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll see brighter days soon. Um, I don't think Facebook's going to see a brighter day very soon, no. though. I wanted to start there with you and before Please. we dive into money and all that other fun stuff. But sure. the big headline right now in tech and really all front pages everywhere is this Cambridge Analytica mess mm-hmm. um, ties to the Trump campaign and yeah. the, the the Facebook okay, so just for people who are listening, reportedly Cambridge Analytica accessed information from about fifty million Facebook users to leverage that for the Trump campaign. So mm-hmm. Facebook's in, in deep doo doo. Their stock mm-hmm. is down big time. On a scale of one to ten, Kara, how how crappy is this for for Facebook? Ten being like really really crappy. Well, let's be clear. It's crappy for consumers and the users of Facebook. It's not crappy for Facebook. They didn't, they didn't, um, you know, this is not a breach. I think a lot of people are putting it's a data breach. They actually handed over the information. So you, you have to be clear is that they, what they've been doing since 2007 when at Facebook, which I was at, um, Mark introduced, or 2080 introduced Facebook Connect. And they had already been sharing information with third party developers, which is a great way to grow the platform by getting, you know, other people, like, it's like the app platform at Apple. They just got a lot of developers making the, making the whole network even stronger and bringing in people. And so they started to, one of the ways to entice people to do that was, developers to do that was to share information about Facebook people, um, and then their friends. And so, uh, what they did is they, they've been giving, they had been until they cut back on it several years ago, um, giving enormous amounts of data sets to people and data sets are what's critical. And so Cambridge Analytica, uh, via a, an educator in, uh, an academic in, uh, in, in England, um, got all this data through that, um, and then misused it because under the terms of service, you're not supposed to do what they did with it essentially. Mm-hmm. 
You met Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Mark Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm. Mark Wahlberg would have been like pretty yeah. cool. Um, <laughs> Freudian Mark. slip. I don't know. Marky Mark. Yeah. Marky mm-hmm. Mark. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg. You met him when he was a baby. Um, well, from, no, he wasn't a baby. He wasn't a, a baby, man. but he was, he was a teenager. Uh, he might have been. No, he might have been. Yeah. Got, yeah. He uh, might have been. He has been so far silent on this, at least. From yeah. a media standpoint, what do you think he's going through right now? What do you think he's thinking? Well, he's going to make announcements later today. I mean, apparently, he's, he's, I'm sure what he's going to do is go on Facebook Live and talk about it. Um, and he'll probably do one of his long, lugubrious essays uh, on the issue, you know, with a lot of hand-wringing. He's, he's done that a lot over the years, a lot of hand-wringing essays. So sorry for Beacon. So sorry for this. So sorry for that. Um, I think he's, he, you know, he's got to get out there publicly and and with people, reporters like myself. I, we, we've had some tough interviews in the past. He's obviously going to have to appear uh, in front of congressional subcommittees. Um, they've asked him, and I don't think he can avoid it. They, Facebook avoided it up until then. There's been a lot of hearings on the issue about Russia and fake news and and bots and things like that. Um, and they've sent lawyers uh, in. But I think Mark's going to have to appear there. Obviously, Europe has been asking him to appear regulators in the UK and other and in Europe. Um, I, I'm not sure he'll do that, but he needs to get out there publicly in a series of interviews and. Um, and tough places where he answers questions very clearly about what they're doing to fix the problem, what they, what happened, what they're doing, what they were going to do in the future. And, and his, and, and a big, I'm sorry, an enormous, I'm sorry to our essential. Mm. Later, I'm going to ask you for your quick take on some of the big tech companies now and whether they'll be around in the next five years. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. Facebook's one of them. Um, but what is your biggest itch right now? Kara, as a tech journalist, a question mm-hmm. you really want answered and you just can't get it, just can't get your mind off of it. Oh, well, you know, I've been really obsessed with the future of work and how it's going to affect. We've been doing an MSNBC series on this. Um, I'm working with MSNBC, interviewing all the big wigs of Silicon Valley about this because I feel like there's a lot of these technologies that are coming are massive self-driving automation, robotics, uh, AI, and they have, they're going to have a really big impact on jobs and obviously politics because it's going to throw a lot of people out of work. It's a question of how we educate ourselves, how we train ourselves. And so that's my, I want to, I, I'm constantly asking, tech executives about this because I think now the real, uh, you know, the, the proverbial rubber hits the road on big changes in society wrought by technology. Is this airing right now on MSNBC? When should we tune in? Well, we've already done one with the CEO of Google and the CEO of YouTube. It was about AI and about workplace culture and diversity. The next one's coming up. I can't announce it yet, but it's a pretty big name. And it's around education, about what our educational system and its lack of ability to train workers for the future. All right. We'll be sure to stay tuned for that. Did you know that we both went to the Columbia Journalism School, Kara? I'm really, I'm very excited about this. I was just there last, uh, last week doing something around the Pulitzers, but yeah, they, uh, they would benefit from having you comment. I mean, just from talking about how you've built your brand and your business, I think that's something that I don't know. I went 10 years ago. I don't know if that's even really a course there or an, no, entrepreneurship? Entrepreneurship. No, no. I mean, it really I needs so. to be. It I does. was, I just how to pitch your stories to them, to editors. I mean, like how to really use, embody the salesman approach, saleswoman approach mm-hmm. as a journalist, you know, because yeah. your ideas are only as good as you can. Yeah, but it's more than that. It's understanding your business models. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. reporters for too long have, especially business reporters, commenting on business and never having run one um, or understanding their own business and watching the declines in their business. I was very attuned to 
the business from very early on. And I happen to have a business mind, but I think all reporters really do need to understand how they make their money, what's where they need to go, what changes they need to make, how they need to respond to readers and or, or audience, really. It's not if, readers anymore. If you had to start over now, your educational path, would you mm-hmm. go to journalism school today? No, I didn't really. I shouldn't have gone then. I should have taken that money and invested it in Apple stock. <laughs> really, <laughs> seriously. You know, I, I, no, I wouldn't. I think you need to just get out there and start working. I think, but the thing is you need to realize you can't just be a cog in a wheel. You know, it's not like that. There, it's, it was such a top down kind of atmosphere when I, this, I was, I went to Columbia in 1984, I think. Um, you know, it was such a top down kind of ideas. You got a job at a small paper, you moved up to a bigger paper and a bigger paper. And so that's not, doesn't exist anymore, essentially. So you have to be very specific about what you want to do. And I, I'm not so sure journalism school, you don't need it to give you those skills. It's, it's a good debate. And I think mm-hmm. that also for the price that it is now, I, yeah. I think it's uh, I really, it's a hard- $10,000, I remember. $10,000. $100,000. Yeah. At least at Columbia. A hundred. Oh, oh, mine was 10. I remember yeah, scratching that check out and being Times pissed. 10 is what it is yeah. today, oh, including wow. housing and all yeah. of that. So- No. Um, no, thank you. <laughs> New York Magazine called you the most feared and loved journalist. I'm sure you know that. And mm-hmm. I, it makes me want to ask the question of how far have you gone in getting to the story to the to the to the <laughs> truth um what's something that you did that others would consider really extreme well, besides stalking Mark Andreessen, no, um, I'm just getting <laughs> back at him because he said the, pe- the reason people talk to me in that article is because everyone has Stockholm syndrome, which was so kind of him to say. Um, uh, you know, I don't go to extreme. I, I'm very basic. I, what I do, I think, I don't do anything. I just, I'm, I, I'm very persistent and obnoxious. I think probably are the two things that have been key. But persistence is the most important thing. I really contact people almost continually um, by text or. Not as much email, but I call them. I show up at places. I think I'm just more persistent as a person. And I think that, and work harder than journalists substantially younger than me that should have more energy. Um, and I'm constantly making connections between different stories. I talk to people when stories aren't happening. Um, I have developed relationships all, all over the place. I think that's the key part of, of being a successful journalist is having relationships and understanding the connections between and among people that you cover. I just listened to your interview with Rebecca Jarvis on her No Limits podcast. She's a friend and loved that interview. And what I really extracted from that and listening to you talk about your life and your approach to work in life is that you have an undeniable fearlessness, a can-do attitude. You're very confident. Is that how you've always been, Kara? Like eight-year-old Kara on the playground. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Is this what you were, uh, is this what was you were exuding at that age as well? Yeah. I ran the playground and I don't know if you know that, but I did run the, I in fact did run the playground. Um, yeah, no, I did. I was like that then. I was like that since birth. Um, very aggressive, I would say for, you know, the words they don't like to use for women. I think I was aggressive. I think I was very clear about what I wanted. I was, I think my mom told me a story recently when I walked into, uh, one of my classes early on, I think it wasn't nursery school, but it was like first or second grade. And they were, you know, doing some reading and I, 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 I walked in and or stood up and said, you know, I've already read this and I'm bored, so I'm leaving. And I walked out because <laughs> I was sort of not, I wanted more challenges and it was very funny. And so they had me down in the principal's office and I was like, I, they don't have enough information for me. I'm done with this stuff and I need to move on. And so I think I've always been outspoken. Seems to work. It's, it's kind of great. I mean, it's such a gift because a lot of us have to work at that. Yeah. And what do you think especially it is? women. Especially women. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's just one of your natural talents or you sort of were 
even at a young age, sometimes, you know, we, we become who we are at a very yeah. young age. Did you have experiences that kind of made this become you out of necessity? Well, I mean, my dad died when I was young. That probably had a big impact. It obviously did um, when I was five. Um, but that's not what makes you the way. I think I was like that before. Um, no, I think some people are just the way they are. Their nature. Some people are shy. Some people are outgoing. Some people are bold and stuff like that. And that's just the way you do come out that way. I have two kids and they're very different. And I think genetically so, you know, but then nurture fall, you know, falls in it. Um, and you can really encourage those tendencies. And um, I, you know, I don't think my mom ever told me to shut up, you know, or, or, or hush up. Like, although some of my relatives are like, don't be so, you know, don't be so forthright. But I didn't, for some reason, I didn't listen to them. My grandmother was super encouraging. She, she, I, she was just the, one of my favorite person. And she, she just, I, I delighted her when I was like that. So I think probably had something to do with it. And then probably if, if you want to like go deep into the psychoanalysis, you know, being gay, as, being a lesbian, and especially during difficult times, um, it was much harder to be gay then. And so you had to really, you know, suck it up and be strong minded. And I think um, it did, it, it does form you if you have setbacks to, mm. to be stronger. I think it does or it can. Well, sticking with your childhood for a little bit longer and and transitioning over to some money questions, I always ask guests about a story, an experience, a memory from childhood that had to do with money. Mm -hmm. And what was it? And did it impact you as, as you were growing up and now even as an adult? Like, has it it still, you know, is it still there, that story and, and how that, how you felt in Mm -hmm. that moment? Well, you know, my dad dying was obviously a monetary event, you know, but he actually cared for you. He had a lot of insurance and stuff like that. So there wasn't any worry. And I grew up in a relatively wealthy family, I would say, compared to most people, very wealthy. Um, so I never had financial worries. Um, so I, I never thought thought about money. You know, I wasn't, it was never a, a panic kind of thing. That said, what's interesting is my brothers and I work all the time and we're, we very much love working and we grew up in a, in a place where a lot of the people around us just didn't like they were wealthy and just, you know, sort of coasted. But I always had a job. My brothers always had jobs. They're, they're work to this day. They're hard, really hard workers. And often my mom who, who who likes to vacation for a living, I always say, um, she, she'd be like, why are you working so hard? You don't have to work so hard. And we just do. I I don't know why that is. Um, I like making money. I like, uh, I like, uh, like earning what I deserve for my work. I'm very particular about that. I think, again, women are not. Um, I always ask for more. Um, I always ask for what I deserve. I'm very aware of my worth um, almost continually. And I and I make sure I get my piece of it. So I, I don't know why that was. I just, I worked, I like working. I love that. So t- maybe we can fast forward to a time sure. in your career before you were running your own company, mm-hmm. maybe as you were still either at the Wall Street Journal and maybe you were negotiating on your behalf, mm-hmm. on your for yourself. Yeah. Can you take us to a, a, that behind the doors sure. moment? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it's really interesting because I've had uh, reporters on the other side of me on that kind of thing. And I've, I've absolutely noticed that men are much more aggressive than women in that area. Women are we sort of settle. Uh, it's just, it's not, you know, it's not a perfect, it's anecdotal, but I can tell you it's very clear. Not every woman, not every man, but in general, men think they're worth more than they are and are, are very deluded about that often uh, on the negative side and women don't uh, don't ever ask for as much as they should i that is something i've noticed and for me i always did i just you know when i was in negotiations i'd always say i always ask for the bigger salary i'd always insist on it i always was able to walk i'd always say okay goodbye kind of thing and i didn't i didn't feel maybe it's cuz i had some you know family money and stuff like that so i was more comfortable but i think i would have done it without that 
um, I, I always felt like I could do, I could waitress if I had to, you know what I mean? Like if I, I, I didn't mind working hard. And so I always was very clear. Um, I remember one negotiation where I was, um, you know, they did that thing. Like I wanted the higher amount. I had taken more in stock or something like that. And they're like, well, you know, take less and then we'll all go out for a drink. We'll be friends. And I remember saying to the person, I'm not your friend. You were not friends. Give me the money. Like, give me the money. And I was, <laughs> and I think it, it, you know, there's all these techniques that, that, uh, that people fall prey to. And again, especially women were like, Hey, just go along, be nice. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm not nice. Give me the money. Like it's, I, I'm very clear about that all the time. And so I, I can't tell you how many times I've been in those situations where um, I do not accept what they want to give me and ask for more. And it, it does something, even today it throws people off. Um, I was doing something recently and it wasn't a money thing, but, and, and I often say no, like they're like, Oh, you can do this. I'm like, no. And they're sort of surprised and they sort of are surprised that a woman just has an opinion really. Um, and, and, you know, it's fine cause I have that reputation now. So people expect it, but you still have to do it to the, your whole career. You have to be, you know, pushy. I hate that word cause it's such a, such a, it has so many negative connotations, but you really have to defend yourself and know your worth. And I, I think I do. Yeah. I think sometimes we, I, I would love the word aggressive to not be so, uh, such a bad word. It's such like a bad word. Aggressive. Cause I am like, aggressive and, yeah. but I, I think there's a lot of merits to being aggressive and you don't have to be true. unliked. I think you can yeah. be liked and aggressive at the same time. I don't care if I'm liked. I, I, that's another <laughs> thing. Like, I don't care. I know a lot of people do, but I could give a fuck. I don't care. I have kids, I have kids who like me. I got, yeah, two, as long I got as your two kids nice like dogs. You. I got a nice family. <laughs> I got nice friends. I don't your need. Your dog will always I, love you. I don't need my, my boss or person who's paying me to like me. I mean, I'm pleasant enough, but you know what I mean? Well, now you work for yourself, so whatever. Yeah, well, I work for Vox Media. I actually do have bosses who sell our company. Yes and no. But I do. Yeah. I don't listen to it. I mean, my bosses laugh. Ha ha. They're like, I'm Kara's boss. And they all go, ha ha, like that. Like it's <laughs> no one's I the literally. boss of Kara. Right. No, right. it's it's true. I'm always like, okay, I'll leave. They, you know, I really do threaten. To, I don't threaten to leave, but I, I think it's very clear that I'm just fine doing something else. And I think that's really a key part. Not every, not everyone can do it. Obviously, if you're a single mother working in like a, 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 ter- a job in a kitchen or, or somewhere or a hotel, you don't have a lot of choices, um, you know, and you really do, unfortunately, sadly have to go along sometime. But a lot of people have a lot of choices, you know, and do have more freedom than they think, especially um, young people. I've always noticed, like I have a, a nephew and He's like, well, if I change this, you know, I tried to get him. He was in a job that I thought was a dead end and, and he, he wanted to go live in a better city. And, and I said, well, just leave your job. He's young. And he's like, oh, that'll have repercussions in my whole career. I'm going, it will not. I was like, just leave. Like you have, so you're like a white man in America, like an educator. You're going to be fine. Like it was, it was really funny how conservative he was. And I've noticed that among young people, like if I do this my whole career, most of my stuff, my success came after 45, 40. Most oh. of the real, that I consider real yeah. success. And, and, and that's, be, and it doesn't matter when, and everybody has choices and especially young people, they really should learn to. Right. You have your people. youth, you have your health, you have your, you have no one to take care of. You don't even have a if mortgage. You, if you're in a good situation, if you're an educated person, yeah. you know, who's been through it, a lot of people do not have choices. And that I'm, I'm separating from those, but many, many people have many more choices. And they thought what they do is they get impacted by what people think of them, what their parents think of them, what, um, you know, a lot of people do that. Like, oh, my parents will be let down. And when they're in their twenties, I'm like, your parents don't have anything to do with your life anymore. Like they can't, like, I literally told my, my son is about to turn 16 and he's like, 
Oh, what should I do for a job? I'm like, after 18, I don't care. Do whatever you want. Like, make your own decisions, like, kind of thing. I mean, I'll help you and do stuff like that. I'm not, like, saying goodbye out the door. But, you know, he's he's got to make his own decisions. How would you describe your relationship with money. You have, seems like a very risk tolerance, a lot of risk Mm -hmm. tolerance for things like in your profession and work and and even life. But when it comes to money, how would you characterize your relationship to money? I don't think about it that much. I should think about it more. I was, I was telling, I was telling a story. I was offered jobs at all these internet companies when they started like Amazon and Google and different things like that. And I didn't take the jobs and I would have been so enormously wealthy if I had like really like disturbingly wealthy. And I right today, I'm like sort of, I would have liked to have that money to do all sorts of political things and things like that. But, um, I didn't take those jobs. So I've never made decisions based on money. I've done very well. I make, I mean, I make a lot of money, but I don't, I don't think about it that much. I'm not, I don't, I'm not concerned with it. I don't spend a lot. I'm not very spendy. I'm, I'm pretty cheap. I wouldn't say cheap, cheap, but I don't, I just don't spend a lot. I don't, there's not a lot of things I want. I like experiences. I do Mm -hmm. spend on nice hotels. If I I like a nice hotel, I like to um, fly nicely, stuff, stuff that's more experiential. I'm, I'm very, uh, I spend more money on, but in general, I don't buy clothes that much. I, I, um, I've been trying the stitch fix because we want, I just want to see how it works and stuff like that. You know, that thing where they send you oh, clothes yeah. and then you send them back. And for months and months, they literally could not get me at all. And I'd send everything back. And so finally this time they sent me some clothes um, and you pay them out. Some, you know, you know how it works. Like they send you a box and you send it back. And um, I, I like three of the five things. And the person who wrote me, the stylist uh, who picks these things out, said, I've now figured out you're androgynous and simple. <laughs> That's she used the word androgynous? Okay. And and sent me androgynous and simple clothes. And so I really don't think that much about clothes or car. I don't like, I have a Fiat Ford Fiesta because I like it. Um, so I really don't spend money on much of anything. I have a nice house, but. Uh, there is a question though that is brought to us by our sponsor, Chase Late, and that is what is a big ticket something, an experience yeah. or an item that you are saving up for that is very intentional? Uh, I don't have to really save up for anything because I have money, but, um, uh, a big trip I would spend. I, I, there's nothing. I don't want to buy a Tesla. Like, right. I don't want a Tesla. Yeah. What do you drive? A Ford Fiesta. I drive a Ford Fiesta. It's a turbo. It's a Ford Fiesta turbo. It's a sports car, but it's, it's a Ford Fiesta, no matter how you slice it. Um, so I buy, um, I, there's no big purchases. I don't want a second home. Have you ever had a financial win so big that, we call it like the so money moment on the show. Yes. Tell me. My family owned a, um, my grandfather, my, my mom's side, he was part of a a coal company that ended up getting the cable franchise for this part area of Pennsylvania. And the cable company turned out to be the real winner. The coal company did really well. Um, he was uh, in charge of operations there, but she was, he was one of the founders and not educated. I think he went to eighth grade or something like that, but a very good business person. And he, um, they parlayed it into a thing. And then my brother later worked for the company and we sold off the cable company for an enormous amount of money. Um, and we had a third of it. Our family had, a, you know, it was, it was a lot, you know, it was a windfall. And, um, and I bought a, my house in San Francisco. Uh, at the time it was inexpensive, although I thought it was expensive at the time. Now it seems like a real bargain. Um, but I, I used it to buy, it was, it was, a, it was a big pile of money to buy a house and I bought a house. How much has that appreciated? You think four times. Since- Four, Four times? Yeah. My gosh. It's crazy. Okay, so Mark people Zuckerberg are- Mark lives up the street, so that's why. Oh, that's convenient. Yeah, 
apparently. You don't really have to stalk him. You can just. No, I just, they all moved in. All these Facebook executives <laughs> bought it. It's actually not that great a neighborhood. They just all bought up houses nearby. And so the, just the prices here because of tech have gone up. You know, I thought it was ridiculous at the time. Like I was like, that's a ridiculous amount of money for a house. Now it's insane. But whatever. I can't move, though, because I can't buy anything else. Right. I was going to say you're kind of uh, stuck yeah. there. But I, I guess, renovated. Uh, I spent a lot of money on renovating. Um, and then I, oddly enough, I've been, I was married for 15 years to a Google executive who I encouraged to go to Google. Um, but so she made some money. Let's talk about quickly what you think is going to be the sure. fate of a number of very hot tech companies currently. Where The question is, will they be around in five years? Five, Just short. we'll do a little, uh, you know, round We're robin here. Yeah. Okay. So maybe 10, ten years is ten more. Ten, okay. Yeah, so will okay will these companies be around in ten years? Starting with Facebook. Yes. Snapchat. Well, around how? I I don't know. They could get bought. It could get bought. Yeah, they'll be around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Twitter. I'm gonna ten, maybe not ten. Um, sold. Twitter. Sold. What was the answer? Sold. It may be Sold. around. Sold. Oh, okay. Version, but, yeah. Uber. I think it's either public or sold. Yeah, it'll be around. Airbnb. Yes, definitely. They're going to go public. Microsoft. Year. Yeah, they keep. Yes, yes, of course. Tesla. Yes, but I don't know how. You know what I mean? Not how they're going to do it. I just think it would be interesting to see. It all rides on Elon, so it's a kind right. of interesting Who's a very interesting I, I think, guy. I want, how do I get uh, him on this really podcast? Is. Does he do podcast <laughs> interviews? I can't, right? It's like. Uh, I don't know. You could ask him. You can ask him. He's uh, he's funny. He, you never know what he does. Uh, we've had many interviews and I met him when he did uh, X.com way before he was Elon Musk. I met um, his mother once at a dinner. I had she's no lovely. idea. She didn't she's even. Dro- she did not name drop her son at this dinner. No, she's an elegant. She's an so elegant, lovely. lovely I, oh, my gosh. Yep. Okay. And oh, this. You got to love this one. Oath. What kind of a name Oath. is Oath? Formerly oh, Yahoo. No. No, no, no. You know, I used Something. to work at Yahoo. It, it, the pieces. Oh, you did? The yeah. pieces will be somewhere. I don't even know if the Yahoo name will survive. I don't think Ugh. it will. What a bummer, that company. I mean- I've done my best to kill it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, it's just lost its way so badly, and then they pretend they deserve to be there. They didn't make products customers wanted anymore. That's no. really kind of the, uh, the sin of Silicon Valley. When, they, when you violate that, you're done. Although when I was there from 2009 or 10 mm-hmm. rather till about 2013, the- Who's the CEO? Well, we had like 14 different CEOs. I yes, mean, you did. We I had a, we had a couple of stories. interim CEOs. Marissa came yeah. on just as I was, just yeah. before I left. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was this th- sort of idea behind this new concept of Yahoo that they were sharing with them internally, which was that we are a media company that is yeah. supported by tech. Whatever. And for the first time in a long time, I thought that sounds- like you could sell that. Like I Yeah, been, then they were a tech company supported by Yeah, media. and then they kept just, switching. I know. It. I know and that uh but I for a while you know there what? I was really excited about the It's a floor cleaner or a dessert topping. That's what I used to joke <laughs> about Yahoo. It's not it's, it's and a dessert topping. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that was an old Saturday night live. Skit. Well, let's end on that dessert note. Yes. Kara, thank you so much for sharing your time with us and uh, giving us so many uh, great stories going down memory lane with us. I really appreciate it and uh, No problem. Onward, I hope I've kept up your fanness. I hope you're even bigger oh fan gosh. now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to watch that MSNBC right. series. Absolutely. And no stalking. It's impolite. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Note it. Thank you. Right, thanks. Bye. 
You can learn more about Kara and stay on top of all the tech news at recode.net or join her Twitter community, 1.31 million followers strong at Kara Swisher. All this info is back at SoMoneyPodcast.com where you can download the transcript, the audio, and also click on Ask Farnoosh, please. I want to know what's on your money mind. Can't do the Friday episodes without you. Let me know if you have a question about getting out of debt, a career transition, how to save more, invest better, planning for your future goals, and everything in between. I've got some perspectives. I have some advice, I promise. And if you'd like to co-host with me, that is where you can let me know by clicking on Ask Farnoosh and and typing in. And hey, it could be a lot of fun. I promise. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I hope your day is so money. Money.